0: the move going deep speed race. he's got hell he's got hell! from the baptist health studios inside the baptist health training
1: complex this is drive time with travis wingfield
0: Up, fans, and Welcome to the Drive Time Podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, another day on Radio Row in Indianapolis from the Indiana Convention Center. We have a couple of big-time guests for you, plus we're going to preview the actual workouts that happen on the field at Lucas Oil Stadium starting tonight, Thursday, with, I believe, it's the defensive line and linebackers getting after it for the 2024 NFL Scouting Combine about to get underway. From Radio Row in Indianapolis, this is the drive time podcast
2: let's
0: go ahead and kick off today's show with my first guest on thursday from espn you might remember him from bleacher report but now espn matt miller very excited to be joined today for the first time on the drive time podcast by the great ESPN draft analyst and insider at NFL draft scout Matt Miller. Matt, thank you for your time today. Yeah, of
2: course. Appreciate you having me on.
0: So you just posted a mock draft and I want to get some dolphin stuff eventually here because why else would we have you in the podcast, but you also cover the entire draft and the entire National Football League and I like asking guys like yourself, your co-worker Jordan Reed, just to kind of describe the draft in general for us Some storylines from this year's class that has you excited about 2024.
2: Yeah, I think this is a great offensive draft. You know, we might see the, the first 10 picks in the draft might all be offense and maybe even a little bit deeper than that you know even whether you're doing a mock draft or you're building your big board of your player rankings it's notable you know quarterbacks are, are heavy at the top wide receivers very heavy at the top a couple offensive tackles are in that group as well so it is one of the deeper offensive drafts is in terms of round one, deeper talent on offense that I've seen maybe ever. It yeah. is truly a special class. So, um, you know, Dolphins are a pretty set at quarterback and wide receiver, but that's where the talent in this draft is.
0: Well, I was going to ask you because I've been doing this a lot this week with with different guests. And like beyond Tyreek and Waddle, there was kind of there, there could be some more pass catchers in this Dolphins offense. Yeah. And it makes me curious because. Receiver for a long time was like, don't take them in the first round, right?
2: Right. I, yeah. I was just telling someone that. I remember those days. of like, Don't draft a receiver <laughs> days, in the first right? round. And now it's like, <laughs> draft a receiver as fast as you can. Yeah. yeah. A
0: ton of those guys go in right. the first round of a year. And it's become a premium position by how they get paid, too, in free agency, right? So I'm curious. It doesn't make... Teams more inclined to to be aggressive at at that position and go up for the receivers and get them.
2: I think so. Um, Like you mentioned, how much they're paid is a huge part of it. And, you know, you guys have one of the highest paid in Tyree Kill. So you see what that does to your roster construction when you have $25 million or so tied up in a wide receiver. Also, it used to be that rookie wide receivers didn't produce early. You know, it was like Anquan Bolden was the only guy to have (laughs) 1,000 yards. Now it's every year. You know, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, they come right in. And, and we're talking about this might be a top five wide receiver in the NFL right out of the gate. Jalen Waddle has very quickly become, you know, an, a Pro Bowl caliber player. So I think that is part of it, too, is these players are better prepared in college, but also the NFL game has shifted to where it is so much like attack the perimeter or attack deep, where guys like Waddle can step right in because you have elite speed, you have elite field vision. And it, it used to be so different. Everything was like West Coast and timing based. So it was harder for young wide receivers to, to make a mark.
0: I think the Dolphins' offense is somewhat like that. Wes Welker brought that over from New England and kind of has that, you know, timing and get on the on the right spot, especially with yeah. Tua Tungavilolo at quarterback. But you also mentioned Waddle; he broke. I think Anquan Bolden's reception record as a rookie, and then I think it's been broken like two or three times. It, you know,
2: it probably will be again this year, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah,
0: yeah, by by Marvin Harrison or Malik Davis right. or someone in that category. How about the quarterbacks in this year's class? Where do you see them shaking out at the end of the day? Is it going to go one, two, three, and and how many do we get in the first round, do you think?
2: I think it goes one, two, three is interesting. Uh, I don't think – don't let anyone tell you they know what the Patriots are going to do. Because <laughs> Even it, now, right? It, right, we just found out a week ago who's running their draft room. So <laughs> it's very – uneven right now they could go quarterback they could go left tackle they could go wide receiver um, so I think we'll go quarterback one Four four we'll get drafted in the first round it is a question of where does the third one go and then what, what happens to J.J. McCarthy who'll be the fourth one off the board I think there's a chance we see five Bo Nicks from Oregon maybe getting in there if, if someone were to come back up into the 20s but Uh, Four are great, especially for Dolphins fans who don't need a quarterback. You want as many quarterbacks as possible to go ahead of you to to push those guys down the board.
0: So you mentioned the idea of someone coming up, because that's kind of something I've been looking at, because the Dolphins don't have picks in the third and fourth round, maybe a possible trade back from 21. Who... That would be Bo Nix in that spot, you think? Yeah. And who? what teams do you think might be inclined to go up right there?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, the Minnesota Vikings yeah. uh, have made it no secret that last year they were trying to very aggressively go up and get a quarterback. So if they don't take one at 11, they could be a team that swings back up. The New York Giants have two second-round picks and have a need a quarterback. And at six, they could all be off the board. And so that would be a spot where maybe you try to come back up. And because you do have the two second-round picks, you have that, that ability to aggressively come up and it's not you're not starting to tap into future years drafts to do that
0: i think if you look at the dolphins list of needs, and you talked about it in your mock draft, which is up on espn.com right now espn plus go check that out or espn is that right? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that the right word? I, I watch a lot of golf when, on there. When you said it, it sounded right. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll go with it. was well, sort of like Insider, but the ESPN Plus. Yeah. But I watch a lot of golf on there and read your guys' work there as well. So, But in that range, I mean, the offensive line class is so deep and so low this year, right? And that's where the Dolphins have, as you mentioned in your piece, so many potential needs with free agency, possibly wiping out the entire interior. Yeah. And if Teron Armstead retires, then maybe they have four needs on the offensive line. But I'm curious because I've talked a lot about the interior this week with people such as yourself. I'm curious about the tackle class because we could see – as many as six, seven, eight before Absolutely pick 21. Yeah. I'm curious who you think fits that mold of that Teron Armstead, the Austin Jackson, these super athletic tackles that can get in space that would fit McDaniel's offense. Yeah,
2: it's Amarius Mims from Georgia is Perfect. that guy. And he, he only started eight <laughs> games in college. He played right tackle, uh, but he has the athleticism to play left tackle. He's the fit. You know, like guys like J.C. Latham at Alabama, they're like bulldozers, you know, 360 pounds. He's just putting people in the dirt. That doesn't fit the scheme where you do need your tackles to be out in front, you know, blocking on wide receiver screens at times. So I think Mims fits that mold. Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma, uh, another guy who, you know, played defensive line, now he's an offensive tackle. The athleticism is there for those two guys, and they could realistically be there at 21. Like you said, we'll see what happens in free agency and with potential retirements that, that could make tackle, like, the need. You know, it's like you have to figure this out before you think about anything else.
0: It feels like every team has multiple offensive line needs every single year at yep. this stage of, of where we are in the NFL. But how about a guy that could potentially, because I, I look at Armstead as a potential maybe one-year solution if he comes back and then maybe you have to replace that next year. So back in 2016, the Dolphins took Laramie Tunzel who wound up being kind of the foundation of our entire yep. franchise's roster off the trade to the Houston Texans. But his first year he played left guard and then kicked out the left tackle. Is there a guy in this year's class that you think could be one of those players that is a tackle but plays guard initially
2: yeah both those guys I mentioned are are that way Mims Mims and Guyton definitely are Uh, Latham is more of like your right tackle but could play guard for a year I I just don't see a way that he goes to the left side He's, he's just too big Patrick Paul from Houston in the second round would be an interesting guy who really really good movement skills needs to work on his lower body strength so like could you put him at guard for a year and develop him and then kick him out I definitely think you could do that with him.
0: Okay, yeah, that sounds good. There's so many guys that have just good feet, so athletic in this yeah. class that can do that stuff. And speaking of good feet and athletic receiver, we talked about it. Maybe not a, a big need for the Miami Dolphins, but I still contend that last year when Waddle and Tyreek went down, there was they needed someone else to be a separator inside. Whether it's a tight end, a, a big presence inside, it can be a speed guy too. Who do you think would be a good mix, either at 21 or 55 for Miami? To kind of complement the skills of Tyreek and Waddle
2: Yeah, I, the very first mock draft I did this year, I put Xavier Worthy from Texas to the Dolphins, and people were like, "What? You losing your mind?" It's like Tyreek's getting a little bit older, yeah. and you need that third option. And this offense is so explosive, so fun to watch. Like, why wouldn't you just keep loading that that position? That's so, what I'm saying. <laughs> right. So I, I do love the idea there. Worthy absolutely fits this offense as a speed guy. I don't think we'll see Brock Bowers on the board at 21, even though he is like the hardest player in the draft to slot in, the tight end out of Georgia. It is such a deep wide receiver class that in round two, we could be looking at guys like Malachi Corley from Western Kentucky. Lad McConkey from Georgia. There's a potential that Xavier Worthy, because he's undersized at like 175 pounds, could even be there in the second round. So we could fulfill our dream of having like the fastest football team ever <laughs> if, if he's out there with those guys.
0: I mean, HN, Waddle, Tyreek, just add more to it, man. And, right. and DJ told me this week down in Jeremiah that Malachi Corley thinks he's going to run a 4-3 in the 4-3 range.
2: That would be insane with his size and physicality. I, yeah, I hope that happens. Yeah. DJ is not wrong on that stuff often. <laughs> so I, I hope that happens.
0: He looks like a Dolphin, a Niner, a pat- one of those, Absolutely. one of those. A Shannon Hentry type of offenses. He looks like an absolute fit with the yak that he has there. How about on the defensive side of the ball? Now, I've not really gotten a lot of, of content on the defense during the combine because we just don't really know what it's going to look like with the yeah. new defensive coordinator there. But – I want to talk about the, the front seven of this of this year's class and what the Dolphins could potentially do there. Because once again, if Christian Wilkins walks, there becomes a huge hole of defensive yeah. tackle. And that's actually where you have the Dolphins going in the first round of your mock draft, which I assume is based on yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what could happen there. But we, we've seen Anthony. We were get some, tons of production out of guys up front, you know, with Jadavian Clowney last year, Justin Matabuike. But he kind of has that crop in Miami with Chubb and Phillips off the edge, Sealer and Maybe Wilkins inside. Yeah. Just kind of go through the process of twenty-one fifty-five D-tackle edge, linebacker, Dolphins, potential fits, you think.
2: Yeah, it's a thin defensive tackle class. Okay. It really is. So Byron Murphy from Texas most likely will be off the board at 21. Then there is guys like Johnny Newton from Illinois uh, who fit this defense very well. I think in round two – you might be reaching slightly for guys like Leonard Taylor from Miami, uh, Michael Hall from Ohio State, but they do fit that mold. I think edge rusher is very, very interesting because, especially the injuries to the guys, you know, when are they going to be back at 100%? I think edge rusher at 21, based on the, the medicals, is something that could be really interesting to where, like, Leatu Latu, who's a lot like Jalen Phillips, could be there at 21. Uh, maybe it's a little early for Darius Robinson from Missouri, but, I mean, he's he's made for this defense at 6'5", 290, because he can play inside or outside, length, speed, first step quickness are all there. Uh, when we get into round two, I feel like it falls off a little bit with the edge rushers where you're starting to, and we'll see what, like, if there's a run, like if a guy like Chop Robinson goes first round, it's going to start to thin out in round two, where maybe you look at his teammate, Adisa Isaac, you know, you're, but we could see enough of a run in the 30s to where by 54 you're depleted at edge because it is so important, and it, every team I've talked to this year feels like they can wait to get an edge player, and I think they're going to find out that everyone's trying to do the same thing, and the first one's going to go off the board in the 30s. and I think we'll see that massive run as people realize. Okay, wait, here, here they come.
0: That kind of sounds like maybe Andrew Pickle might be more priority than we thought going into the draft. If it's going to be that thin at that position, because he was a really good third rusher for us this year. And you make the Phillips lawsuit comparison. It's freaky how similar they are. Especially like the injury history is, yeah. is similar as well. So it's it's a cool comp there with their with their skills and also their backgrounds. I always love to ask the experts here. You know, if you're in a war room on draft day, who are a couple of guys late in the draft, some sleepers that you would stand on the table for and really just pound the table for them? Not Dolphins fits, just yeah. in general. Who do you love? I'm at
2: Cody Schrader, the running back from Missouri. His story is amazing to me. You know, walk on at a small school in Missouri, then gets to Mizzou and leads the SEC in rushing this past year. So you know, he's he's going to be a, like a rotational running back, but he's someone I you know just love watching him play. Uh, Junior Colson won't be a late-round pick, but it, like just my favorite football players in the draft. Junior Colson's up there. Jaheim Bell, who is a little bit of a throwback, like fullback, tight end, H-back of South Carolina. Uh, those are the guys where you know we talk about, like we, we always have our guys, and that's a list I'll work on when we get home from here. Of But... Maybe they're not going to be the first guy drafted at their position. Maybe they're not even a top 100 pick. But people you just believe in and would want on your team, Like those those three are on my list. Watching Bill
0: at the senior bowl, I think I put, like, Dolphin next to him, Charles Clay maybe yeah, potentially down the road. Uh, so last question here for you, Matt. Mock draft ESPN, you have two, Dol- two picks here for the Dolphins, Johnny Newton, like you mentioned, Illinois, and Cooper Beebe in the second round. Can you yeah. go ahead and tell us about those guys? You talked about Newton a little bit, but tell us about yeah, those
2: Yeah, Newton uh, is someone that can play inside-outside. He, he played all over for the Illinois defense and he is relentless. The athleticism is there, but it's the motor that you fall in love with because he's consistently running down everyone and can be disruptive, especially as a penetrator in gaps, but brings you that versatility. Cooper Beebe is really interesting because, as you mentioned, the interior of that offensive line could be depleted with free agency. Beebe is a plug-and-play starter at either guard spot, he has the mobility that you need to run this offense. But he's enough of a finisher at the second level where he's still under control, but he plays with that that mean streak that, that I think you want, especially as somebody opening up this run game. You have to have, you know, the agility to run the zone scheme. He has all that. Um, and it's heavily accomplished coming out of K-State.
0: Very good stuff. Matt Miller, NFL draft analyst and insider for ESPN at NFL Draft Scout. I mentioned this to you off the air. You had to be the first person in line I to get that had name. to be, right? <laughs> I w- it
2: was 2008. Uh, I remember signing up for Twitter and thinking, what do I want? What are people coming to this account for? That. That was it. Yeah, <laughs> so man, it worked.
0: Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you away he goes and you know i i'm very big on hospitality and just general politeness and i always joke that since i moved from a small town in the pacific northwest to south florida and the east coast that i've kind of had a Rude introduction into the cold shoulder that it is no please and thank yous, no uh, response when you say words to human beings. So anytime you meet someone new and they're very kind and cordial, that always kind of goes a long way with me. And Matt Miller was definitely that. Good stuff there with the content as well. Let's go ahead and take our first break, come back on the other side. I want to go ahead and preview some dang football workouts. That's next on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Winkfield, brought to you by Nation. So why don't we actually talk about what's going to happen out here in Indianapolis, the most important part of the week, the actual on-field workouts. Is that the most important part? I tend to think it's more about the meeting with the players and the fact that every GM and every coach, for the most part, is out here and can entertain potential free agent contract talks, potential trade talks, and really just a general meeting place for all the biggest minds in the National Football League. But I do want to go ahead and spend some time on the show talking about some players that figure to have great workouts and to improve their stock a little bit in this year's draft. And going off of this, I choose to use the freaks list from Bruce Feldman at The Athletic who posts a annual story in the summer ahead of the college football season, taking a look at, I think he has 70 on this year's list players who figure to test very well in Indianapolis at the combine and players that figure to have draft stock heading into their it's not even their final year sometimes there's freshmen on the list as well so I want to go ahead and preview some of these guys that Bruce Feldman listed as potential workout warriors and then why don't we go ahead and get Kyle Krabs on the podcast as well to have us have him walk us through some players that he thinks will improve their stock with of course a view through a Miami Dolphins lens so the first name on my list and I wrote this down last week so it's a little bit outdated already because Marvin Harrison Jr. decided to skip the combine altogether not just the workouts he ain't even coming out why is that because he believes that training for football will serve him the best opportunity to produce as a rookie and quite frankly again, talking against my own interest here on the podcast, I tend to agree with him. I think it's smart because the only time these guys will ever train for a 40-yard dash or for track type of athletic movements in general is for this pre-draft testing period, right? The combine, their pro days. And what good does it do you? I mean, to throw a 4-2 up there, we talked to We talked to Dan Jeremiah on the Tuesday podcast, and he said that Malachi Corley's going to run a 4-3. I had Corley in the 4-5 range. If Corley runs a 4-3, that guy's skill set, to me, is is first-round potential. He won't go that high, but that's how I feel about him. So it is valuable for the players in that sense, but still, and Jeremiah talks about this as well, a lot of these guys have GPS tracking that takes them, essentially, the numbers you would get from the combine are applicable with their college tape which is what you go off of in the, for the majority of your takes anyways, right? So that's kind of this Marvin Harrison aspect because I, I'm reading that he did bench 380 pounds and did 20 reps at 225 and squatted 500 pounds. That is an exceptional, exceptional athlete. And on that topic, that's kind of what you're looking for for Miami Dolphins, right? When you watch the combine, I want you to, to watch a couple of uh, statistics. And it's not the 40-yard dash. It is the 10 split of the 40-yard dash. You guys might recall last year. Ryan Hayes, Elijah Higgins, Cam Smith, and Devon Achan all had lightning quick 10 splits. How do you fire off the football? That's our philosophy in South Florida, right? We want to get off the football before you and beat you to the spot and beat you with speed and athletic ability. So keep an eye on that statistic. Also, broad and vertical jumps are a pretty good measure of a player's explosiveness their start stop their acceleration and I guess there's some elements of long speed in that as well so those are some stats to look at when you watch the workouts this weekend here in Indianapolis let's go ahead and move off the list here we go from an Ohio State player Marvin Harrison Jr. to Chris Jenkins a defensive tackle at Michigan who did 32 reps of 225 in the bench and did a 760 pound combo twist what is that you know what that is, JT? I don't know what it is. What's no, a combo twist? <laughs> no, he doesn't know. No one knows, uh, but it sounds cool. It's also uh, He's also 30 pounds heavier than last year's freak from Michigan, Mozzie Smith. So Chris Jenkins has put on a lot of weight on. If you guys remember that name, Chris Jenkins from the Carolina Panthers days, yes, we are getting old. That's the son of Chris Jenkins. So Marvin Harrison Jr., Chris Jenkins Jr. How about a linebacker from Alabama, Chris Braswell? If you guys watched the senior bowl, he was in that game and was dominant in the one-on-one drills and the team portions as well. He got after it during that whole thing. 38-and-a-half-inch vertical, uh, squats, 705 pounds, a guy to look for. If the Dolphins are to look at the edge position, he could be a guy that improves his stock and maybe gets on the Dolphins' board here. Like defensive end Chop Robinson from Penn State, a six-foot-three, two hundred 250-pound junior who was a little bit bigger than Micah Parsons his final year, also had a broad jump of 10-7 and bench-pressed 400 pounds with a 4 4 I mean, this guy makes all kinds of plays, smart player, and that athletic testing is going to have his name rise up the board in the first round, and I would not be surprised if he's there at 21, if he's an option for you. We talked about it with the lot latu uh, draft projection that I gave him earlier a couple weeks ago. If there's a great edge there because of the premium position that it is, like, don't hesitate take that spot get yourself more pass rushers and give yourself a cheap production player productive player at a very premium position it always works out if you do that if they're good players some more names on the list here cooper dejean from iowa you guys probably know him he's the he's the what was it the white versus black olympics that um, antonio brown was suggesting who was that? i forget who it was but cooper dejean is basically the lone man on the totem pole of cornerbacks because he's a white dude and he flies he had a 10 split of .92. Is that even possible? They think he could break 43 at 210 pounds this year, keeping an eye on him and his 40-yard dash here at the Combine. Trevin Walls, a Kentucky linebacker, is a guy on the list here as well. 22 miles an hour on the GPS and squats almost 600 pounds. LSU defensive tackle Mason Smith is a 6'6", 315-pounder who clocked 19.5 miles per hour. That's a possible name you could look at as a potential replacement if you do lose Christian Wilkins like Byron Murphy from Texas who's been clocked at 18 miles per hour has a 455 pound front squat and power cleaned at 375 pounds. He is an absolute monster and has the tape to match in the Senior Bowl in his game tape as well. Byron Murphy of Texas, a potential name there at pick 21 for your Miami Dolphins. Um, I got lots of names here for you guys. Jared Verse, you guys probably know him from Florida State. six foot three and a half, 260 pounds, 21 miles per hour on the GPS. That's why you don't only really need the 40 yard dashes. You kind of already have it. He squats 555, benches 455, just an absolute monster. Like uh, offensive tackle Oli Fashanu from Penn State, who's not going to be on the board in the Dolphins pick, but he's also on this list for a 497-463 shuttle and 405-pound squats with a uh, bench press, I should say, 600-pound squat and 350-pound power clean. What a monster. UCLA has a speed back that might be of interest of your Miami Dolphins if he's on the board late in this draft. Carson Steele, 6 foot 1, 233 pounds. He has amazing workout metrics across the board. 450 pound bench, 685 squat, a 21 mile per hour uh, time speed this year with a vertical of 35 inches. Those are the kind of backs that might get your fancy in the late part of the draft. How about linebacker Peyton Wilson from NC State? I've talked about him on the podcast. Kind of has some Kiko Alonso to his game if you're talking about a Dolphins comp there. A 44940, 421 in his Pro Agility Shuttle, which is essentially his workout in college before the, before the season ahead of the year. You might go to the Combine. Also bench 390, 35 half inch vertical, and a nine eight and a half broad. What a what a stud that he is. A couple defensive backs for you guys here. Tyler Owens from Texas Tech is 6'2", 205, 23-mile-an-hour clock in speed this year or in-game in clock speed this year with a 40-inch vertical. Might be keeping an eye on DBs for the Dolphins. Cam Hart at Notre Dame, similar story there, 21.7 miles per hour. Clock GPS time there. He can flat out fly in a guy that might fit what the Dolphins want to do. Under Anthony Weaver. How about some skill spots? Uh, Malik Neighbors, a vertical jump of almost 40 inches. You guys know about uh, Neighbors. He's not going to be on the board in the Dolphins pick, but he is juice on top of juice on top of juice. Wisconsin running back Braylon Allen is an interesting kind of juxtaposition to Devon A. Chan and Raheem Mostert. More in that um, Chris Brooks category, 406 pounds power clean and a 149-10 split. So there's your explosiveness. He also benched 365 and just is an absolute monster. There's plenty more names on this list. Quinion Mitchell, the Toledo cornerback, if the Dolphins go in the defensive backfield, 225 pounds. Um, He benched that 21 times this year. He weighs 210. Also ran in the 4.3s twice this past spring and has a 23.5 mile an hour top speed. He is an impressive impressive athlete. You guys know about Brock Bowers. He is a, tw- a 10-2 broad jump, 36-inch vertical, would be tied for the fourth most among tight ends last year at the Combine. That 40 times somewhere in the 4-5 range. Probably not going to be on the board of the Dolphins pick, but he's an inter- interesting name. I also put uh, Sion Vaki, the Utah safety, who I love his game. He is already benching 400 pounds, squats 520, and has a vertical jump of 39 inches, 10-foot-5.5 in the broad jump. And then I put my two guys in here, Roman Wilson and Malachi Corley, who both made the uh, freaks list this past year. Here's Roman Wilson's uh, line. Here, a former fastest man at the opening as a high school recruit, having clocked four three seven forty, and at six foot one ninety three pound senior, he wows coaches with his ability to accelerate, decelerate, and control his body. This offseason. Wilson clocked a four three three forty out of a two point stance and ran a sizzling six foot point two three cone drill that was only upstaged by teammate Amarian Walker. I mean, 377 shuttle had a terrific 10.76 60-yard shuttle and flew up the Wolverines' uh, reactive plyo stairs in 2.2 seconds. What does that mean? I don't know, but it sounds like he's a hell of an athlete. We know how he works. And then Malachi Corley led the country in yards after a catch with 975 and missed tackles force with 40. Sounds like a dolphin, doesn't he? He's 220, 5'11 frame, looking more like a running back than your typical receiver. He's hit 23 miles per hour on the GPS and clocked 443 40-yard dashes. You heard Jeremiah say he might clip 43. That would be very, very impressive if he gets in that range. 408 shuttle and 355 bench. That's a very nice combination as far as an athlete goes there. So there's some interesting workouts to keep an eye on there. We'll cover more of this with Kyle Krabs and some other just general draft talk, but I want to get that out there for you guys before the combine starts uh, here on the podcast. Let's go ahead and pivot now to my final guest here on this day. I welcomed him the great E.J. Snyder from the Bootleg Football Podcast. He'll come back after the break with us and talk about some combine uh, trends, some combine storylines, and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. That's next Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Joining me today from the floor at the Indiana Convention Center here in Indianapolis is the great E.J. Snyder from the Bootleg Football Podcast. E.J., finally made it happen today. How are you doing, man?
1: Fantastic. We get to meet in person for the first time, which a lot of your listeners will probably be surprised by because we've done this several times <laughs> right. now. And, you know, you used to live right by me before you moved down to Florida to take this gig. But uh, it's great to put names with faces, handshakes on, you know, previously profile photos <laughs> right. and get it all done. Yeah, you, uh, you guys almost uh, almost forced a
0: move back from the Wingfields when you showed me that studio up in. Uh, where is that at you guys shoot those those from the, the divisional previews?
1: Oh well, that actually is Brett's place in LA. No, but no, the ones in oh, the northwest. No, we just did an Airbnb. Okay, yeah, yeah. That studio was amazing, man. Yeah, beautiful. It, it worked out really nicely. We're we're hoping to do that again this year, but it definitely added something. Yeah, it did. And uh, Brett had never been to the Pacific Northwest in the summer, and now he wants to and live now there. He's like, <laughs> I know.
0: Okay, I get
1: it. Yeah, it's it's
0: pretty much it's summer in Seattle is like February in South Florida. It's perfect every single day. You cannot beat it. But you guys aren't here for weather talk. You're here for some draft talk. And they just published a new episode on the Bootleg Football Podcast, taking a preview, or I should say a look at the combine, previewing this week's uh, work from the players and also what happens here, which is, and I saw Brett's tweet this morning about how this is my first combine and this is not what I thought it was at all. Yes, Brett. There are lots of late nights. There are lots of drinks consumed. There are lots of conversations about things that go on, but that's not really the mode that we are in. I want to hear from your perspective on what you expect to see during these workouts this week, because it seems, EJ, like every year they get faster, they get bigger, they get stronger, they get more
1: impressive, don't they? They absolutely do. Every year athletic training is an entire industry. I think a lot of people might not be familiar with how organized that is, and how involved agents are, and that is just part of the package when you're in the pre-draft cycle, right? You get sign with an agent, they have a training house that they work with, you usually ship off and go live there for six weeks, do diet, do all kinds of stretching, and it's purely to train to get ready for this event. And that is a major piece of this. And you know, I think the biggest story probably is the folks that aren't doing it this year, yeah. that are sort of bucking the trend. Marvin Harrison Jr. You know, very importantly said, I'm not going to switch up what I'm doing, training to play football, to train to run a 40. And a lot of people do that, and mm-hmm. it's very difficult on a body. You end a college season, you have, in some cases, I mean, the Texas and Washington guys <laughs> right. opted out of the senior shrine because they were that was 10 days removed from their last game. That's crazy. They need some rest, but all those other players are, again, moving across the country, learning how to run 40s. Maybe if you're a lineman, you've never done that if you're not a track guy. And then, as soon as you're done with that, and you get drafted, you got to switch back and turn yourself back into a football player. So it's fascinating to see those trends. But yes, bigger, faster, absolutely. We're going to see probably the record broken for guys over 300 running under five second forties because that <laughs> happens every year. <laughs> no. uh, Kingsley Suamataya, the tackle from BYU, a noted you know Feldman Freaks List candidate for the yes. last couple of years, he's been a solid four nine guy for a couple of years and there are many whispers that he might break four eight something at 300 and whatever he is 15 pounds so that's, that's not human it's intense
0: <laughs> i mean do you feel like that could be like kind of the beginning of the end of the scouting combine because like marvin harrison making that move they have all this stuff in like gps tracking right like the pads are all are all gps out
1: like it sounds like that's almost the beginning of the end of the combine Uh, You know, people have said that, and I think it's a beginning of the change, like a significant change in the combine. Because we have to remember that Marvin Harrison Jr. is an elite prospect. For those not familiar with him, yes, the son of the great Marvin Harrison Jr., or Marvin Harrison Sr., the Hall of Famer. Uh, You know, great bloodlines, has had a tremendous college career, has elevated himself to the top of the wide receiver rankings. Pretty much, I haven't seen anybody not have him there. So he's in a unique position. He can say, "I'm going to do what I want. I know where I'm going, anyways. I really don't have the ability to increase my stock, but I could hurt myself, so I'm not going to." Most players, there's what almost 300 yeah. players here, don't have that luxury, right. and they are trying to show something that they're faster, that they're stronger, that they are, you know, get a look in front of scouts in terms of the motion or movement drills. Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't need any of those. The majority of guys here, 95% of them, do need that, do want that. Um, They absolutely want these press sessions that you guys are recording in terms of being able to talk about their experience and what they're looking forward to in the league it is a huge opportunity for all those guys so the combine's not going away anytime soon good but it will probably change good i love my week in india i gotta have it every single year man it reminds me of the deion sanders uh, hey where do y'all pick
0: number number eight i'm not gonna be there i'm gonna <laughs> hang up the phone on you right Correct. now i'm not going that far anyway so do you go ahead and save your uh your pre-draft meeting with me because that ain't gonna happen anyways but yeah it's it's interesting and that's it's kind of like it almost coincides with the senior bowl getting more and more talent every year it seems like so it kind of could be a good balance there. like I'm gonna go show my stuff in a game situation and practice situations and I'll take off the combine where they, they measure you there as well so it's like a good mix there of kind of balancing how this class shakes out let's pivot to Miami Dolphins focus here because it is the drive time podcast on the Miami Dolphins podcast network my guest today is EJ Steiner from the bootleg football podcast I'm curious what you think we're back in the first round for the first time in, in our Two years without a first-round pick. So the first time in three years, I guess is how you'd say that. What do you think, man? Pick 21. There's some options there. Offensive line is kind of up in the air right now in terms of free agency. All of our guys, for the most part, are are on the market, right, are going to be on the market come to the new league year. Um, The offense kind of bogged down late in the year. New defensive coordinator, Anthony Weaver. Who in that position do you kind of like
1: for uh, Miami's frame of mind? A little bit the world's their oyster, and that's not a bad thing. A yep. lot of times people think when you're in the 20s, oh, all these all the talent's going to go right. off the board. <laughs> Look, there are very many talented players in this draft, and especially offensive linemen, um, inside and outside. So it's tackle you need, very talented tackle class. The interior offensive line class, I think a bunch of people kind of heaped on it and said it's not the greatest early on in the process. I was among those. I thought, ah, there's probably not a lot of depth at center. The more I got into this class and the more I did my study on my top, say 150-ish guys, there's there's a lot more talent there at both spots. So if you are in the need for offensive line, inside or outside, it's a nice spot. You are not gonna be, you know, bereft of options in the 20s for either side. And then like you said, with Weaver coming in, you know, releasing Zavin, like you could use a cornerback. It's no. a good cornerback draft. I don't think there's as many guys up high. There's a few, but then those sort of middle rounds like two to four a bunch of guys that can play outside that have size that have speed. There's probably more size in this cornerback class than we've seen in a very long time. In terms of, you remember three four years ago, if there was a guy that I said, "Oh, it's the six three corner," you go, "Oh, I know the yeah, one." Right. Now if you go <laughs> to the six three <laughs> corner, go you go, "Is this the six four guy? The three six three guys, or the eight guys that are six two or less?" So. A lot of guys out there with a lot of size, so a lot of options for you. Big fan of the slot cornerbacks, too. I mean,
0: WSU guy, Shaw Smith-Wade, I love his game. The uh, the Michigan kid, San still he's an absolute playmaker. Who's the Missouri kid that was in this, at the this senior bowl? I forget uh, his name. Rikestraw? No, no. Uh, uh, Chris Abram-Strain. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He he was nice to watch as well. So there's all kinds of options in the defensive backfield. I'm really curious to see what Coach Weaver does because he already has two chess pieces back there in Jalen Ramsey and Javon Holland. He's going to add to that, I'm sure, at some point this offseason. But I want to go back to something you mentioned on the offensive line there because you talked about there's kind of a flavor for everybody. Dolphins in the past, we'll see what happens this year because McDaniel believes in evolution and, and always growing your offense. But in the past, they've been very heavy on guys that show well on the 10 split. Guys that can get off the football and get you in that wide zone. Look, get off the line of scrimmage and get your butt out there right go block a defensive back off the edge are there some guys in this year's class that you think might pop in that category the 10 split on the 40 yard dash I know it's a very niche question
1: that's why I go to you though it's Mm -hmm. actually not uh, (laughs) and it is the measurement that you're looking for for offensive linemen because the reality of offensive linemen running 40 yards in a game they all joke that they have to do it once and it's here and they never do it again now that's not exactly (laughs) true but it's close and what they really do for their day-to-day bread and butter is fire off the ball. Mm -hmm. And so you want to see that explosion for, again, a 300-pound guy accelerating that mass over the first few yards where he's going to find contact. And there are going to be guys in this year's draft, especially, who are extremely explosive in the short area. We saw Jackson Powers Johnson, the true junior center from Oregon, who got an opportunity to play uh, because of an injury. He took that job by the reins, never gave it yeah, back. Right. He <laughs> is massive. He's 300, and I think he weighed like 23 pounds. I think he was like, 330, th- like 334. He's like a that. huge yeah, guy for center. You don't normally see that much size at center, but he. a lot of people think, oh, he's a Hulk, and he can just anchor. No. His tape is full of examples of him getting outside, wide zone. Stop me if you've heard this one, being <laughs> a Dolphins <laughs> yeah, guy. Exactly. Right? And just demolishing <laughs> corners and safeties on the edge. And he loves it. He's like 19, 20 years old. It's very young extremely capable athletically, and, you know, is he going to last that long is probably the only question. Yeah, he's been a hot name on this show this week at this table right here
0: because everyone talks about him. It seems like every fan base kind of wants a piece of Jpj at this point. Let's go ahead and finish up here at the skill positions because you asked me yesterday, what do you think the Dolphins' biggest needs are? And I I said, I don't know about, I don't know, like, (laughs) it's kind of hard to determine because I I, I just had Kyle Krabs do our show that's going to come out, I think, on Friday, and he was talking about, uh, you know, how the, the Dolphins are kind of in this range of, you know, that's that's an area you could explore in the draft or free agency, and I'm I'm like I, I think it's an area that they they have to address because. Not, not just the way that Waddle and, and Tyreek are used and it, it's a lot of substitution that really coming in and out but if one of them gets dinged up it, we really saw the impact of that last year and so I think that the ability to get a, a third separator a third pass catcher might be a, a big value to the Dolphins offense whether it's tight end receiver who do you like in those first two rounds whether it's pick 21 pick 53 maybe a trade back in that range who kind of fits in that mold for a skill player that can help this offense
1: go even higher to another level. No, I would agree with you, and I think it's a shift in the league that we've seen with wide receiver. I think back to, like, Ron Wolf when he was running the, the Green Bay Packers, and he said, I'm going to pick a quarterback every year. Right. <laughs> I think that's shifted, and I think it's I'm going to pick a wide receiver every year because you could look at almost any team in the NFL, and none of them are like, oh, we're good. There, there might be two teams in the NFL that are like, no, we're three deep. We're fine. So in terms of guys that are really explosive Uh, There's a lot of options. Very deep wide receiver (laughs) class. A guy like Jamari Thrash out of Louisville is very explosive. He's a yak threat. I really like Malik Washington. He's going to be a little bit farther down the board. I don't think he should be, but he's out of the University of Virginia. I think McDaniel will look at his tape and go, ooh, give me some of that. Um, So they could, again, wait even longer than those first two rounds uh, and pick up a pick farther back. And there's so much depth in this wide receiver class that you can find it. Now, if you want the big explosive alphas outside – You're going to have to pay a premium for those or get a more developmental guy. But guys from the slot, a lot of people are going to be talking about Roman Wilson out of Michigan. He's going to test out of his mind this week. And that's just going to push him even higher into that conversation. Um, There's a lot of options. So if you kind of have your heart set on one and they get picked, this is not the year that you kind of have to have your stomach fall out and panic. You've got plenty of other options coming down the pipe. I promise that EJ was not
0: prepped for this podcast because Jackson Powers Johnson and Roman Wilson are probably the two most <laughs> mentioned prospects by your boy on this show. I love those players. I love their skill sets. EJ, bootleg football podcast. What's coming up on the con- uh, for your guys' content this week? Tell the folks where they can find you.
1: Yeah, so for draft season, it's a pod a week. We put out the pod earlier, and then one of the interviews that we recorded at Trimble, so we'll have our first interview later this week, and that'll be two pieces a week, every week up until the Combine or sorry up until the draft Uh, we've got a great slot of guests it's really what I'm doing here this week is lining up everybody Jordan Reed will be back Matt Bone will be back Uh, we're going to have some special guests that have not been on the podcast before some folks you've talked to recently so uh, we're really excited about the slate and it just rolls until we are until late April and guys are going to new teams yeah make sure you find them at the bootleg football podcast he and Brett Coleman do a great job all year
0: round it's some of the best football content you guys can find out there EJ appreciate your time today man and uh, enjoy the rest of your week
1: in Indy. Hey, thanks for having me. Always a great time. Anytime, man. And away he goes
0: and away we go on this edition of the drive time podcast tomorrow. I'm very excited for this episode with Kyle Krabs. We took a look at his free agent board, what the combine could do for the Dolphins draft prospects and just how they're going to build this dang thing in 2024. That's tomorrow. We'll also come back on Monday, recap the workouts and just kind of get into what might happen in a couple of weeks here in the new league year for your Miami Dolphins. All that ahead, but for today, I'm going to go ahead and sign off. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead, leave us that rating, leave us that review. I have really enjoyed the new reviews coming in about the kind of Direction shift in the show here a little bit. Also go ahead and check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and Juice. Go ahead and follow me on social at Wingfield NFL and the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the YouTube channel, Media Availabilities, Dolphins Today, and so much more. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Carolina Cameron, Daddy, he's coming home.